another hot shot. My name is Peter Pilgrim, DevOps specialist, Java champion in the cloud. I've been working with Spring Boot, uh, AWS, EC2 instances, and I've worked as a platform engineer recently. And and um, of course, I've always been a Java champion. Well, not always, but since the year 2007, actually. So this is a continuation of dealing with microservices-oriented architecture, MSOA, data part two. So let's look at this question. What's the database architecture in a microservices application? Uh, let's delve a little bit deeper into the solid principle, the S of solid, which is actually is inspired by Robert Martin, Robert C. Martin to be exact. And let's have a look. The single responsibility principle is a computer programming principle that states that every module or class that has responsibility over a single part of the functionality provided by its software and that it should be uh, the responsibility should be entirely encapsulated by that class module all of its services should be narrowly aligned with that responsibility so what we're talking about here is the the target the concept of microservices the, so a microservice has to follow uh, or should follow uh, uh, execute one function one behavior very well and and sometimes of engineers and architects we break the rule because we want to have some issue of performance security or scalability or you know the, Still, uh, microservices should be loosely coupled so that they can be developed, deployed, and scaled independently. And if you're in the cloud background, you'll understand this very well. If you can't scale your, your microservices instances, then you don't have a scalable application or distributed application that can handle high availability. Some business transactions must enforce invariants that span multiple services. So in terms of data, for example, if I place an order, and, and this is a use case now, I must verify that a new order will not exceed the customer's credit limit. This uh, I remember this from the old banking days uh, when I worked um, with a British bank, I won't say who it is, and they had something called the limits and exposure um, module system. And so, so to continue with this use case, other business transactions must update the data owned by multiple services. So in other words, uh, if a microservice is responsible for manipulating and changing the data, then only that microservice should be able to do that. Some businesses' transactions need to query data that is owned by multiple services, for example, to view credit use uh, and uh, to query a customer to find the credit limit and to calculate the, the number of orders in a shopping cart. And so therefore, 
Uh, these these sorts of uh, queries might span more than one microservice. And for example, finding customers in a particular region and their, maybe their recent orders or their uh, financial trades requires joints between those customers and their order trade data. So one thing to be um, aware in, I suppose, with microservice data is sometimes you can aggregate these things and, and, and make it simple. If you know beforehand the type of queries that you will, you want your microservice to store. So uh, you if you follow this principle, then it means that you can use memory caching to store these kind of queries. You can also work with denormalized data in the database. So, um, so let's see. Uh, different services may require database storage requirements. Uh, so a relational database is obviously the best choice for financial data and transactional data. However, other services might be able to do it using NoSQL. Uh, you might choose uh, CouchDB or MongoDB or something. Uh, and other databases are types are possible so if your if your data is more uh, about connections and edges and graph data then you and, and on structure then you may look at neo4j as a graph database to store information so ideally each microservice in your microservice orientated architecture should be have its own copy of the database and only allow access from ex other external microservices, the clients of that service, to access and modify that data. In other words, the, the data persistent store is uh, private. Let's make it absolutely clear. Each instance of a microservice class has ownership of database. And when I use the term database, it's a very abstract meaning. The database, as I said, could be a RDMS, uh, NoSQL, or Graph Database, or some um, other durable mechanism, even a file store. So the takeaway is maybe is you have three instances of a microservice, an inventory warehouse, payment processors thing. Uh, with a distributed persistent store. So visualize this for a moment. Let's say we want to handle a spike uh, when we double the number of instances to our inventory warehouse payment processor service. This is our microservice, remember? And then we, ha and then we have six instances. Uh, so instead of starting with six, we could double this to 12 communications, so connections, double it again to 24 connections. Now, do you feel the kind of pressure when we double it again uh, to 48? Um, suppose we have 48 instances of our microservice uh, uh, connecting to one database. Precisely because it's this is the thing about microservices and instances. People look 
think of them as only one instance normally, but then you have many instances and they need to be scalable and you need to have uh, acid uh, or as best you can atomic consistent isolated and durable uh, access to that data because we're trying to protect um, private customer data including yours and mine. So in my experiences uh, people have different ideas about this sort of persistent database. Um, Let's so what are the real implementations that I have seen? Well, obviously, I've seen AWS, RDS, or Aurora, Aurora because uh, Amazon, this is Amazon's own database uh, based on MySQL. So, I mean, I say Amazon, this is obviously AWS. And one could be reasonably sure that this database modification of MySQL is designed to scale and is distributed. So, you don't have the problem of, say, of 48 persistent connections, or maybe that's 96 if it's going input and, and output, ingress and egress, going to a relational data store. Um, there is a halfway house that I've seen in, if you use uh, something like ARDS because this database is uh, distributed and you, as you know relational databases can have different schemas and and you don't then have to have 48 instances of uh, Aurora, what you because the database is distributed, then it can handle all the data for a production uh, data store. What you do have to then worry about is replication, and um, and so there are obviously draw- drawbacks uh, there. Uh, so it sort of breaks the idea of like one microservice class and one database, and uh, because these other sort sort of solutions like a new ODB and um, MongoDB means that you don't have to do that. A data, a microservice, and then a data store. So many microservices can share one data persistence. So I'm going to stop right there, and we'll continue, and I hope you understand. And that's the end of part two. So enjoy your day, and... Let's rock on with those microservices. This is a Pilgrim Engineering Architecture Technology production. You can copy the data, the media, and the code, but you must always attribute the source. You can follow us on Twitter at Peter underscore Pilgrim, or go to the website zenonic.co.uk. Shares, likes, comments, feedback are always appreciated. Enjoy your day. Make it a good one. Bye for now.